This is Lauren Gracie, and you're listening to the Go and Tell podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to this very special edition of the Go and Tell podcast. Um, now, you know that the purpose of the Go and Tell podcast is to share women's testimonies, and so many of the ladies' stories are about how God has transformed their lives how he has redeemed them, protected them, been faithful and ever-present during times of hardships, how he is always there through life's storms, and when you can't seem to keep your head above the waves, he is there holding us up. He is there through the good times and the hard times, and God is just always faithful. So I thought I would start a little mini-series with this podcast and share some biblical testimonies of God using the seemingly unlikeliest of people to further his kingdom and to carry out his will. So with that, we're going to look at a popular section in Hebrews that has been subtitled called The Great Examples of Faith, otherwise known as the Hall of Faith. So let's first understand the chapter of Hebrews. Hebrews was written about A.D. 70, probably before the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, and the purpose of Hebrews is to present the sufficiency and superiority of Christ. My commentary also shares that the author of Hebrews was likely Paul, Luke, Barnabas, Apollos, Silas, Philip, Priscilla, and others, which has been suggested because the name of the author is not given in the biblical text itself. My commentary continues stating that most scholars do not believe that Paul was the author because the writing style of Hebrews is quite different from that of his letters. In addition, Paul identified himself in his other letters and appealed to his authority as an apostle, whereas the writer of Hebrews, who never gives his or her name, appeals to eyewitnesses of Jesus's ministry for authority. Nevertheless, the author of Hebrews evidently knew Paul well. Hebrews was probably written by one of Paul's close associates who often heard him preach. Hebrews was originally written for Hebrew Christians who may have been considering a return to Judaism, perhaps because of immaturity stemming from a lack of understanding of biblical truths. These Jewish Christians were probably undergoing fierce persecution socially and physically, both from Jews and from Romans. We may not be able to identify with the physical aspect of that, but man, I can definitely relate to some of the social persecution. Christ did not return to establish his kingdom, and the people needed to be reassured that Christianity was true and that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. Hebrews is a masterful document written to Jews who were evaluating Jesus or struggling with this new faith. And I feel like we are in a time where that is just so true for today too. There are, even my son, let's say that, my son is struggling with faith. I went through seasons of struggling with my faith. I think we all do. And so Hebrews is talking straight to all of us. The message of Hebrews is that Jesus is better, Christianity is superior, Christ is supreme and completely sufficient for salvation. In Hebrews, we are urged to hold on to our new faith and encourage each other as well as look forward to Christ's return. Then the author explains how to live by faith, giving illustrations of the faithful men and women in Israel's history and giving encouragement for reassurance for daily living. That is the section that we're going to look at. How do we live by faith and give encouragement to fellow believers? 
Whatever you're considering as the focus of life, Christ is better. He is the perfect revelation of God, the final and complete sacrifice for sin, the compassionate and understanding mediator, and the only way to eternal life. As we read a little bit from Hebrews and begin to see history and live from God's perspective, let us give ourselves enthusiastically and completely to Christ. So on that note, let's turn to Hebrews 11 and start at verse 1. Now again, this is subtitled, Great Examples of Faith. The people listed in Hebrews 11 are called faithful because they had faith, no matter how messy their lives were before. And boy, y'all, some of them were really messy. But God still used them. He redeemed them. He saved them. And he can do the same for us. No matter how messy our past was, God can use us still. He is the Redeemer. He is merciful. He is compassionate. He is loving. So let's take a look at Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 3. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command and that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. So let's look at verse one again. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. My commentary gives a great example of this by use of birthdays. So it states, do you remember how you felt when you were very young and your birthday approached? You were excited and anxious. You knew you would certainly receive gifts and other special treats, but some things would be a surprise. Birthdays combine assurance and anticipation, and so does faith. Faith is the confidence based on past experience that God's new and fresh surprises will surely be ours. We also see that God is who he says he is in verse 1. So let's look at Romans 8, 23 through 25. It states, And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Our Father never makes promises he won't keep. He is who he says he is. He is faithful. So turn now to 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 through 18. It says, That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. This life is not all that there is. 
we are to look to the eternal and live each day with our eyes fixed on Jesus. And I'm preaching to myself here when I say that daily I need to ask myself, am I living eternally? Are my actions of this world or that of eternity? Knowing that our life here does not end and we get to live with God forever in heaven is life-changing. When we admit our sins and repent, turn to Christ and believe that he is who he says he is, the Son of God who came to earth to die for our sins so we can live eternally with our Father in heaven and we confess our faith that Jesus is the Son of God, we are changed. It changes everything. It changes how we live. It changes how we speak, how we love. It changes everything. Now let's go back to Hebrews verse 3. Verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. God called the universe into existence out of nothing. The world is not a product of blind chance and probability. God created it. My boys were gifted a precious book called Theology, written by Marty Machowski. Now, theology is the study of God, and this book is a multi-layer educational resource with illustrations that are geared for younger grades. Now, each chapter looks at a different topic, and the first is theology of God. So, it starts with God always was and always will be. God never had a beginning and will never have an end. He is the same today as he was yesterday and will be the same tomorrow. Revelation 1.8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Psalm 90 verse 2 states, Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from beginning to end, you are God. 1 Timothy 1.17 All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal King, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. And Psalm 102.25-27 says, Long ago you laid the foundation of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing. You will change them like a garment and discard them, but you are always the same. You will live forever. In Genesis, you can read how God created absolutely everything and spoke things into existence. So, I don't know about you, but anytime I would attempt to start reading the Bible... My goal was always to read it cover to cover, um, which I realized is very challenging for me. <laughs> so I found the Bible Recap, which is reading the Bible in chronological order instead. So it actually breaks up Genesis, and then you go from Genesis to Job, and then from Job back to Genesis, and you kind of read through chronologically, and that is amazing. It helps me so, so much to understand the Bible. Um, but I would always start in Genesis and pretty much give up shortly thereafter. So I don't know about you, Genesis might be pretty redundant for you if you were like me. I feel like Genesis is embedded in my brain and I have that pretty memorized. But I'm going to read Genesis 1, uh, verses 1 through 31. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. 
Then he separated the light from darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky. And evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God called the dry ground land and the waters seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the third day. Then God said, Let light appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate the light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make human beings in our own image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food, and I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all that he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. I could comment so much about Genesis. There is so much there that is just so, so good. So I encourage you to 
find a Bible study about Genesis, to listen to commentary, to read your um, commentary in your Bible, if you have a life application Bible or whatever Bible you have, see if you can find some, some further instruction on Genesis because there is just so much there to unpack. But for sake of time and for the fact that we're focusing on Hebrews 11, I'm not going to go into Genesis, so let's go back now. We're actually going to go look at Psalm 33 at verses 6, six through 9. Psalm 33, 6 states, The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. Let the whole world fear the Lord, and let everyone stand in awe of him. For when he spoke, the world began. It appeared at his command. I love Psalms. It's such a beautiful poetic summary of creation. Let us stand in awe of him. I go for a walk pretty much every morning during the weekday. And we live pretty close to Corps of Engineer land, um, so it's not developed. I walk back there early morning and just stand there and stare at God's creation. And every day I am humbled and just wanna cry sometimes looking at everything that God has created. It's such, it's just so beautiful. And I feel so small and so insignificant. And I am reminded how great and loving and kind our God is. All right, so now let's look at John 1.3. John 1.3 says, God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. When God created, he made something from nothing. We were created by him and God created the entire universe. So nothing is too hard for him. The same God that called the world into existence cares about you. And like I said, there is nothing too hard for him. So if you're in prayer and you think, well, that's insignificant. I can't ask for this or pray for this. Y'all, God can handle it. Nothing is too big or too small for our God. Romans 1, 19 through 20 states, They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing him. That's powerful. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. God revealed himself through creation. We have no excuse for not knowing him. When we look to the sky, when we see flowers bloom, when we see birds making nests and preparing for their young, we can see God's creation all around us. I am, again, preaching to myself here when I say, let us collectively slow down to notice, to pay attention to God's creation so we can be reminded daily how much he cares not only for the world and the things that we see, but he also cares for the things that we cannot see. He cares for our souls, he cares for our heart and our mind, and he wants us to run to him, and he is waiting with open arms. Hebrews 1-2 says, And now in these final days he has spoken to us through his Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son he created the universe. Y'all, Jesus was God's agent in creating the world. In the very beginning in Genesis, we saw it a couple of times where he says the Spirit uh, was over the world and we created man. Again, this is just going back and again proving that Jesus was God's agent in creating the world. Now, I think Colossians 1.16 just wraps this all up so beautifully. Colossians 1.16 says, 
Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Let me say that again. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we cannot see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Amen. Well, my friends, that is where we're going to end for today. Um, next time, we're going to look at Abel in Hebrews 11.4, and I cannot wait to dive into Hebrews further with you. Um, Hebrews is just one of my, my favorite books of the Bible. So I am going to challenge you these next few weeks to read the Bible, like actually carve out time to be still and to be present in God's word. I attended virtually, if lead, this past weekend. I'm recording this on August 8th. Uh, it was August 7th, and it is Jenny Allen's amazing conference with wonderful speakers, and she has If Gathering as well, but it's always just so powerful, and the messages presented are so needed. But she had Lisa Harper there, and she was speaking to mamas, and what she said just hit me, and it was so good, and it's exactly like what I'm challenging you now today. So Lisa Harper stated during If Lead, she said, Information about Jesus is a poor substitute for intimacy with Jesus. Hold up. Let us say that again. Information about Jesus is a poor substitute for intimacy with Jesus. Whew. Lisa held up her Bible at this point, and she said, I don't think this is a rule book. I think it's a love story, but if you have filled in a million Bible study blanks and still don't really believe that the creator, the redeemer of the universe loves you, you will never impact the life of the world around you with the abundant life made available to us in Christ. So I would encourage you to spend time alone with the lover of your soul. Learn what it is to linger in the embrace of Jesus. Yes, Lisa. That is my charge for all of us. For the weary new mom that is knee deep in diapers and dirty dishes, leave them. I know it's hard. <laughs> when you are weary and tired, turn to God. I know it's easy to just flop on the couch and watch another mindless episode of The Housewives or a home reno show, but young mama, hear me when I say it will not refresh your soul. If watching something on TV is all that you can muster energy to do, I get it. I have been there and still have moments that I feel the same way. I can't read. I'm just too tired and I want to just watch something. I get it. But instead of turning on Bravo or HGTV, try turning on Right Now Media. Watch sermons from your local church or just listen to the Bible being read aloud to you through the Bible app on your phone. Open your Bible and be refreshed by his word. It is the only way to true happiness, 
joy, peace, comfort, and absolute rest. As a society, we tend to be drawn to self-help books, trying to find resources or tools that'll make our life easier, more joyful, more relaxed, more fill in the blank, right? In my short few years of life on this earth, I have found that not a single self-help book really, truly helps. The only book that revives my soul and gives me answers to daily problems and is a guide for how I should live my life is that of the Bible. I remember asking a friend a long time ago whenever I first had my son, uh, my firstborn, and I was like, man, I wish I just had a manual. I wish I had a parenting book that just told me what to do, how to do it, and would tell me all the things. And I giggle now because now that I am carving out time and reading the Bible and having a relationship with God, that I realize he has given me a manual. It's the Bible. It's right there. It tells me everything. <laughs> Through God's word, I am encouraged and I feel loved. And then I, in turn, can give love. And mama, if nobody has told you today that you are loved and you are seen, mama, I love you and I see you. God loves you and he sees you. Let me end as in prayer. God, in Jesus' name, I come to you humbled and in awe of your creation. You have created the ends of the earth. You have spoken life into everything that we see and things that we don't see. It is because of you that we exist. And Lord, I pray that whoever is listening today, that they feel loved, they feel cared for, and that they know that they were created for a purpose and a plan. And God, I pray that you reach into that weary mama's soul and fill her with your Holy Spirit and let her know that she is loved and she is cared for and she can rest in your arms and she can lean into the comfort that you bring. God, thank you for this time in your word, for your Bible. God, it is in your son's name that I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Go and Tell podcast with Lauren Gracie. If you liked what you heard today, please subscribe, comment, leave a review, and share with your friends. Music was created for the show by Matt Bowen, and I'm your host, Lauren Gracie. I'll be back here next week with another great conversation. Thanks for listening today, friends.